Good morning, Facebook family, and welcome. Welcome to Reveal and Heal Relationship Lounge presents Reveal and Heal on this fabulous Monday morning. I have an amazing guest today, Chai T. Matthias Reed. She's going to be coming in on the scene very, very shortly. But I want to remind you guys, you know, you can't heal if you don't reveal. You know, I know it's been a while, maybe a couple of weeks or so. It's my first, um, you know, uh, session for the year 2021. I want to, first of all, uh, thank everyone for praying for me. I've been out, you know, for a minute. This COVID tried to get me, but I am free. I am healed. I'm whole. I want to thank you for your prayers. And, you know, mask up, y'all. Mask up, you know. Uh, uh, use your Lysol, your wipes. You know, give people that distance, you know, which we should have been doing anyway before any of this went down, you know, all up in people's uh, uh, space. But listen, <laughs> before moving forward, I want you to go ahead and tag your friends, tag your neighbors, tag your enemies, because we have an amazing um, show this morning that my sister is going to come forth. You know, you can follow us um, on all social media. Uh, so, of course, if you don't, you know, they don't have Facebook, tell them that they can actually follow us on IG. Oh, it's, it's, it's going, it's going around this morning. Okay. Now I'm excited y'all. I'm really excited because I've been trying to get this young lady for a while now. She's very busy herself. Uh, she is doing many things. She had, she wears many hats. Y'all put your hands together and show your love for Miss Chai T. Mathis Reed. And uh, she said, that's uh, Chai for the T. Chai Welcome. Michael. <laughs> Time for tea. Okay. Welcome, babe. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you, Coach Deb. Hello, hello, everybody. Come on, let's reveal and heal today. Hey, come, on. come on, let's do this. <laughs> I am so glad that you are with me this morning. And we're going to talk about you can begin again. You can begin again. You've got an amazing story to tell. And of course, we're going to talk about your book, your music, and all of that. And as a matter of fact, I'm just finishing your book. Guys, look here. Look for yourself. This beautiful, this beautiful young lady. And the name of her book is The Endurance Ride of Life. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Endurance. I'm just finishing up the book. This is volume one. So I'm just finishing of the book and we're going to talk about a few things from the book oh my god it is amazing it's going to give you life so uh she's going to tell you how you can actually purchase the book and she does amazing music man she has that that tone that ministers to you so we're going to talk about that too but for right now i just want you um try to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself yeah well like coach deb said my name is chai like the tea like um, tea. I, that's right <laughs> get you a chai tea latte yes uh, yes <laughs> and yeah we got to mention that too because you got your own coffee coffee shop going on oh we well, got so yeah, much we'll... to talk about Lord. <laughs> going on well you know like coach Deb said first and foremost I am a kingdom ambassador I am uh, a lover of God's people um, I uh, love you know life uh, I love to write love to sing you know I love business love entrepreneurship uh, mm. I love ministering uh, to God's people and so you know I look forward to this interview I look forward to seeing everything that God has for both of us absolutely um, and and for you too as we reveal and heal today <laughs> absolutely absolutely so with that being said what I'm gonna do is allow you to to move forward now guys you know what I preferably like to do is ask questions but then there are times when Holy Spirit leads me to allow the guests to be able to share and I'm telling you I don't want to give it away you know the book is so transparent you got to read it for yourself but we're going to talk you know today I'm going to allow Chai to just begin to tell us about you know this journey that she yeah. you know she's conquered a whole lot of things and this yeah. is reveal and heal mm -hmm. okay and mm -hmm. and, and yeah. the stories that are shared there are stories that help so many people. Yeah. So, Chai, please, please take liberty and okay. just begin uh, to share. And I will come in a few times to uh, uh, ask you something specifically because I got a couple of things I want to ask you from the book. Okay. Okay. Well, my journey um, began with being born to a 17-year-old uh, teenage mom. 
Um, and so, you know, when you're, you know, I just think about a teenage girl in high school getting pregnant, you know, you're already born into, you know, adversity, right? Yeah. You're already born to someone who's like, do I want this baby? Do I not want this baby? The shame associated with being pregnant, you know, the, you know, the depression that maybe a teenage girl would experience being pregnant. Um, and of course, not really knowing the events surrounding um, her relationship with my father during that time, I'm sure that weighed pretty heavy um, on her as well. Um, but, you know, I was raised apart uh, from my biological sister who uh, was born four years after me. <clears throat> so uh, she was raised by her father. Um, and even that um, can be very devastating to have a biological sister and not be raised with her. So I was raised as an only child. Um, I experienced abuse at the hands of my mother, um, physical abuse. Um, at her hands, taken away from her by defects. I uh, had some time where I spent in uh, foster care temporarily until my grandmother became uh, my guardian. Um, I believe my mother must have had to do maybe some anger management courses or some things like that in order to get me back. Um, so she did that because I remember being reconciled um, with her. <clears throat> but we moved a lot. You know, it was a struggle. The struggle was real. Um, being an only child, I was very lonely um, and, um, you know, didn't have anybody to talk to. You know, I had an imaginary friend, lots of toys. You know, we lived a really good life. Um, and um, I just remember just wondering, you know, you know, why, why do I feel alone, you know, uh, in, this, in, this, um, in, in this season of life? So that loneliness was a very um, detrimental um, to me being an only child. Um, by middle school, we moved to Texas uh, with my mother's then boyfriend, uh, who would later become her husband um, and the father of my baby brother, um, who was born when I was about 14 years old. Um, um, and in Houston, Texas is actually where we moved to. Um, but Houston was a very significant um, city and season in my life because that is where I began to experience Christ for the first time, real Christ. It was my personal experience. So I'm a product of youth ministry, youth church, <laughs> youth camp. <laughs> my mom put me in a really good church. Um, I know my grandmother had something to do with that, making sure, <laughs> you're going to make sure that baby go to church, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so she put me in a great church. Um, uh, it was an amazing worship team. It's the first time I ever experienced CCM worship, the purity um, of worship. I fell in love with worship. I remember uh, the worship leader was African-American woman and the, her voice was so, so beautiful. <laughs> and I would just go and just sit and just watch her sing, right? Um, and just fell in love with the sound of heaven. Um, and it, when I got to, let's say, maybe I was about maybe 13, uh, I remember going to youth camp. <laughs> it was awesome. Carmen was our worship leader <laughs> at youth camp. And during that experience, I um, learned to worship God. I, you know, began to worship God. And I remember the fire of the Holy Ghost for the very first time falling fresh on me. And I began to as speak in other tongues as a child. I was 13, yeah. <laughs> 12 or 13 years old at that time. Um, but hit with that fire, began to speak in other tongues, and was so excited to tell my grandmother, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Tongues like you. Um, so happy. Um, so happy to have that gift, right? And then my grandmother, long, you know, long distance, she began to just minister to me and teach me about how to cultivate the gift of the Holy Spirit. And of course, youth ministry um, began to do the same thing. Um, so I had a, a really um, trying beginning um, as a child, right? But that encounter that I had with God, that encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit was the turning point, I believe. It was the catalyst to so many things that we'll begin to talk about over this, over the course of uh, this interview. But the one thing I just want to put a pin in is that we cannot move forward in life past trauma, past abuse, past any setbacks, hurdles without the power of the Holy Spirit. You're speaking to a lot of PKs. You're speaking okay. to a lot of chosen men and women where they are pay, paid that price early on for their anointing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And as you reflect, as, a, as you reflect about 
those earlier times in your life, you're so grateful to come to know the Lord at such an early age because yes. it was medicine. It was everything for you going through as an adult. Mm-hmm. So it was everything. Everything. So let's talk about, you know, the uh, the adult journey. Now, your book, book talks about you being married at an early age. So let's mm-hmm. kind of jump a little bit to maybe age 19. Okay, you want to jump ahead? So you don't want me to share the trauma, the, the, the stabbing and all that stuff? So that didn't, that, that took place that hadn't before? Happened yet. That happened after. It still hasn't happened yet. No, ma'am. I, I know you don't want me to skip that part. <laughs> no, because I'm trying, I want to make sense of the book. Okay, yeah, so that's, I'm still telling the early on. This is all before the age of 15. Okay, all this- I hope y'all hear this. This is before <laughs> the age of 15. I'm yeah. so excited. It's like yum, 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 soup. <laughs> okay, Con- continue. I'm on the edge okay. of my seat. It's just like, <laughs> you know. That's okay, yeah. no, that's okay. So uh, what I was saying was, you know, just that experience and that encounter with God, that experience with the Holy Spirit was my everything. Um, and let me tell you why. Um, eighth grade year, um, actually, let me back up, sixth grade year. That's um, age 12 or 13? Yeah, that's my 12 or 13. That's when we were in Houston, Texas. So between sixth and eighth grade years when we lived in Houston, Texas. Um, and that's when I was introduced again to worship and to music. So I started to play the violin. So somehow I got an impartation uh, from the worship. And my very first instrument was the violin. So my mom bought me a violin, put me in the orchestra, and I played that instrument, right? Um, so we fast forward now. I'm, you know, eighth grade. Uh, my mom makes a decision to move back to St. Louis. She sends me home first. So I literally, you know how you have split semesters? Yes. First semester and then the second semester, she sent me home. So I had to finish eighth grade year in St. Louis and I was living with my grandmother. And so by the end of that semester, she had moved back with her now husband and my baby brother. And now we're all together again. So December 6, 1992, um, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for cultivating uh, my grandmother who cultivated the gift of the Holy Spirit. And thank God for my mother who told me to memorize Isaiah 53. And that's a whole word within itself. December 6, 1992, um, I was a freshman in high school. I had just finished watching Father of the Bride on TV. That's an old school TV show. Um, My stepfather woke me up out of my sleep. Um, He had a a blood-covered knife in his hand. Um, Of course, I'm fearful. What happened? What's going on? Where's mama? You know, I'm asking questions. And he told me to shut up before I stick you like I stuck your mother. Um, At that point, fear gripped me. Uh, He sexually assaulted me. Um, And literally while he was laying on top of me, he took the knife and he stuck it in the side of my neck. I still have the scar. And- So he missed your artery? He, my jugular vein. So he stuck it in the side of my neck and as that knife was in my neck, I I don't, it was just the strength of God. pulled his hand away, gasped for air, and called on the name of Jesus so loud. I know heaven and earth had to stand still in that moment because after that, all I could do was fight, fight for my life. So I'm fighting him and he's stabbing me multiple times, beating me multiple times. And we, and I was, I was not going out. It was just like this supernatural strength that I had. And I remember audibly, I remember it like it was yesterday, telling my stepfather, my father, is not going to let you kill me. So you might as well tie me up and leave me to die. So you talk about authority, even at that age. I told my attacker, I told the enemy, Satan, you cannot have my life, tie me up and leave me to die. So he actually did that. Remember those old school extension cords? Mm -hmm. He took that old school extension cord, I had a finger hut phone, the clear ones I used to be able to see through. (laughs) And he took that extension cord and tied me up, threw me in the bathroom and left me there to die. It was in that moment as I was laying on the bathroom floor, blood covered nightgown that I heard the audible voice of God for the first time. Holy Spirit said, beloved, you have got to get up from this place. I didn't move. I'm like, who is talking to me, right? Then I heard it again, beloved, 
You have got to get up from this place. You got to go. You got to run. So, of course, fear grips me in that moment. And I'm like, I'm not leaving this bathroom. You know, I don't know where he is. I don't know if my stepfather's on the other side of this door. I don't know if he's still in the apartment. I don't know anything. But in that moment, I had to make a choice to trust the voice of my father. So I stood to my feet, walked to the medicine cabinet. I couldn't recognize my face, blood everywhere. I took a pair of scissors out of the medicine cabinet. I opened that door and I took the first step, right? Ran to the kitchen, turned on all the lights, grabbed a bigger knife. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, guide me. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, right? I leave the apartment, run across the hall to the neighbors. I could not speak because remember I had the stab wound, right? So I I couldn't say anything. There was just blood. Like every time I would try to speak, I would choke. So, um, so I banged on the door. The neighbor came to the door, covered me in blankets. She's Jesus, Jesus. She's praying in the Holy Ghost. So even God prepared my neighbor, (laughs) right? He prepared my neighbor for this, for this day. She's wrapping me in blankets, praying the Holy Ghost, asking me what happened, asking me where my mom is, asking me where my baby brother is. And I'm just like, I don't know what happened. I'm in shock, right? Uh, Next thing I hear is my baby brother crying. So she went over to the apartment, came back with my baby brother. Next thing I know, the ambulance is there. I don't remember anything. I'm sure I blacked out by that time. The next thing I know, I wake up. I'm in the hospital room. I guess I'm being wheeled in on a gurney, um, you know, in through the emergency room. And somehow my eyes, I, I, I wake up and my grandmother's standing there. And she said, Chai, you're about to go into emergency surgery. Your jugular vein has been nicked. You've got internal bleeding and they have to stop it. She told me that my mother was dead. Uh, My stepfather murdered her in cold blood. He stabbed her 32 times. Um, And um, all I could do was just close my eyes. I knew something happened, but I didn't know what. I just shook my head and I closed my eyes. When I woke up, I was in recovery. I stayed in the hospital under an alias for about two weeks. Um, My stepfather was, he had left the apartment. He was on the run. And so they had, it was like a manhunt in the city. They were looking for him. I guess he didn't know that I uh, was still alive. Yeah, he didn't know that I survived because there's been stories that I've heard that he, when he was in jail, uh, they, you know, people ask, you know, I got family that got folk in, in, the, in the jail, right? You know, mm-hmm. when he was asked to make sure they identified the right person. Hey, man, what you in for? Oh, I killed a couple of, you know, you know, you know, trying to make it look like, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, uh, so, you know, he really thought that I was I was dead, um, but I didn't. I didn't die that night. Uh, God spared my life. Um, and I know uh, that beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is to do something amazing and it's to do these amazing things that I've already done. But I know that this is just the beginning of it. Um, even though the journey has been very long, when, when I, when Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has a plan for you, <laughs> plans to prosper you, not of evil. That's exactly what he means. Jesus. Yeah. The mental, the mental anguish, you know, bouncing back. This is the perfect title. You can begin again. Absolutely. You are a living witness. I am. I've, and I've you, had to begin again and again and yeah. again and again. Like, <laughs> like the stages, you know, this is this is this is a good point to make. You know, mm-hmm. for people that feel like every time they turn around, it's something. Yep. When they get through one thing, it's another thing. Yep. Yep. It's called life, which is why my book is called The Endurance Ride of Life. You know, because life is hard. You know, life is a struggle. You know, life is a journey. And we don't really know what we're going to get on that journey. Right. But when you know who you are, <laughs> somehow it's just a little bit easier And my grandmother told me very early on that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so 
at at 15 after kind of going through the you know burying my mother and she my grandmother of course I became a ward um, of, of my grandmother well uh, uh, my grandmother became my legal guardian um, I was gonna say a ward of the court but that's not right uh, my grandmother became my legal guardian um, that next year 1993 um, I, I got called into ministry as a young evangelist and. I remember my grandmother constantly saying, you're going to have to share your testimony about how God spared your life. And so at 15, I was on that circuit, <laughs> going from church to church, sharing my testimony about how God spared my life and singing a song called Tomorrow by the Winans, doing altar calls at 15. And so although there was a lot I didn't understand about the journey ahead, and there was a lot I didn't understand, you know, about ministry or even the call. I did it out of obedience because I wanted to be healed. And I knew that my journey forward of healing was going to be a long one, right? But I knew that as long as I had that good old life application Bible that my grandmother gave me, right? And that praying grandmother like Helen Baylor used to sing about, I was going to be okay. And so to your point, you know, processing grief processing trauma. Where do you go from there? You know, what is the new normal, right? So I struggled with, you know, grief, of course, losing my mother. I struggled with depression. There was a suicide attempt, you know, sophomore year um, in a sophomore year of high school, uh, addiction to cope with the pain. Years, I'm talking about 15 years of addiction just to cope with the reoccurring traumas that would come up or the triggers, that would make me go back to that place, right? Usually it was around that seasonal depression time around, you know, the holidays and things like that. But I also had a promise. So even in the midst of all of that pain and all of that struggle and all of that heartache, I still had a promise. And the promise trumps everything else. <laughs> it trumps everything else, right? Everything. And the promise was Jeremiah 29 and 11. That was the only hope I had. That was it. And I had a praying grandmother. <laughs> you know, this is Indeed. a real process. And I'm thankful that you're sharing. Please, time don't run out on us. Oh, my God. Because it's <laughs> a real place. So let me explain what I mean. Whenever we come into Christ, yes, I need for people to understand that we fall and we get up. Yes. Because you had a relationship with the Lord earlier on mm -hmm. and during your process of healing, there were times that you fail and you got back up. You just mentioned it. That's so right. it's so important for people, especially in the day that we are living in, it's important for people to understand that whenever you uh, accept the Lord as your, uh, as your savior, your Lord and savior, it, it's a road. It's mm -hmm. a road that you got to walk. It's a process. And he is a forgiving God. That's he right. understands what he has made in us. Mm -hmm. And that's why he is always there to mm -hmm. pick us up. He's always there, you know, uh, for us, you know, when we fall, it's like, get up, my child. That's so right. for people to understand where you are today and myself and others that have overcome, it's due to us hanging in, in hanging in there, you know, that's staying, right. staying with God. No That's matter right. how many times we fail, you know That's what right. I'm saying? Because look at you now, and you mentioned that this, these different things that occurred, and you ain't even got to it yet. You ain't even got to the gist of it. But at the same time, you are explaining to us that because you had God in your life, because he was your Lord and Savior, see, people need to understand, you can't get through real life without him. That's right. Not at all. You can't get through real life without him nope and he is such a god that's like he's not looking at your imperfections he knows that we're not perfect that's right and he's he just ready wants us to be available that's right he just yes. wants you to be available that's it that's all you know just be available willing and available and then as you mature and as you grow you know and you begin to understand right when I was a child, I thought as a child, now that I'm older, I put those childish things away. Then he begins to hold you to higher standards. But even then when you miss it, even then when you make a mistake, he still loves us because he's a good, good father. 
Girl. You know, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And a lot of times I believe people put themselves in such a pit of condemnation and shame and guilt that they are sabotaging their own future. You can blame it on the devil all you want to, but a lot of times it's us, right? Because we don't believe God's word. We don't know God's word, right? Because if you really knew God's word, then you would speak it and declare it over your own life. Right. And even there are those moments when we get in those pits of despair and we forget that we know God's word because I don't have those too. like, oh, oh, how did he how did I get here? Right. Come here, Elijah. Right. Sitting under the tree like I. Mm-mm. Yes. Right. Yes. We yes. all have those moments of despair. But because he's such a good, good father and because he loves us so much, it's a love that we can never comprehend fully until he fully reveals it to us. There's nothing that you could ever do that would separate you from that love. I even wrote down a scripture. Um, I have to, I'll find it. Maybe we'll come back to it later that, that talks about, you know, nor death, nor height can keep me from his love. No matter where I go, if I go to hell, you're there. If I go to the highest, highest heights, you're there. No matter what situation I find myself in, he is always there because he loves us and he is so so good nothing but good (laughs) men women boys and girls please hear this today broken (laughs) healed please hear this today god is love stop listening to people you know human beings we overdo and over say everything you know Mm -hmm. god is love Mm-hmm. And don't compare mm-hmm. your life to others. Mm-hmm. He is a God that forgives. This Absolutely. is a personal salvation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very personal. Oh Very my gosh. This, this is real life, y'all. This yeah. is real life that we're talking about. This is complete transparency. You know, you still got time to, uh, you know, tag other friends and, you know, mm-hmm. call up family. You still got time. And even you can play the replay. Because you need to get this. Listen to this over and over again because it's so rich to where you need to hear it more than once. This is a real story that my sister is sharing that she overcame. So whatever it is that you're going through, you can begin again. You can get through it. The Lord, he has has no respect of person. Am I right about it? No respect of person. (laughs) He loved you just like he loved me. That's absolutely right. And to your point about, you know, beginning again, when I think back to when I was, you know, about 15, 16 years old, that was my new beginning, right? That was when I began to find my voice. Because remember, I told you when I was in middle school, I played the violin. Well, the jugular vein, you know, the stab wound, I lost, it's back now, but I had lost all feeling here. So I could no longer play the violin because that was the side that I would hold my instrument. So because God loves us so much, because his purpose for us is so good, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for my good. He transferred the gift of music to my voice. So then I would go on to find my voice. And I began, you know, my grandmother put me in private voice lessons. I developed this amazing operatic sound. You know, I was singing Italian arias and Spanish arias and all these amazing arias in high school. You know, um, music became my refuge, right? My very first uh, production in high school was Porgy and Bess. I was Serena. My man's gone now. Ain't no use listening, right? So even as a child, I found, you know, the strength that I needed in the arts, in the creative arts. So I always, always, always advocate for the arts, especially for children who have gone through trauma because it is the place that they're able to get the most amazing healing the most amazing transformation comes through the power of music but it doesn't stop there there was still this process I still had to go through right so a lot of times we're talking about okay I'm beginning again but you still have to go through a process because everything you've been through there has to be healing there has to be transformation there has to be unraveling there has to be detoxing and so many times people begin but they never heal they just keep starting over keep beginning again and they're wondering why do I keep ending up in this same place a lot of times when we keep beginning it again and we don't take the time to heal like we need to we keep ending up 
in that same spot. And so the process is necessary. A lot of times it's painful, you know, it hurts, right? But it's necessary. The pruning is necessary so that you can move forward in a healthy way. And that explains our choices. That's right. That explains our choices when it comes to relationships. That's right. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. So when you're in an unhealthy place, you reflect (laughs) that unhealthiness and you attract that unhealthiness right back, right? And so, of course, I began to learn about these things because um, I attracted (laughs) to me when I was 19. By this time now, I'm in college. I'm a music major. I'm studying opera theater. You know, I think I'm going to be the next Leontine Price. You know, I got this amazing, you know, I'm moving forward. I got this new beginning. But that process of healing got skipped. So now I'm attracting pain to me. I'm attracting unhealthy relationships to me. So my very first marriage was to a person, well, to my my father's, uh, my children's father, right? But it was emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, and physically abusive. And it ended in divorce because of abuse. And it ended in divorce because I was not going to allow my children to experience what I experienced in my childhood. I'm a cycle breaker. So the beginning of making becoming that cycle breaker was making a choice to leave an unhealthy situation, right? And then to begin my process of healing because I never really got the full measure of healing that I needed from childhood trauma. I did a little counseling, a little therapy, a little this and that, but it wasn't the deep inner healing that I need. And so there was a combination of Holy Spirit inner healing, right, and 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 uh, counseling and therapy that I would go on to get, you know, after the divorce, right, because it was very important that I did that, and family and friends and support and self-help books, right, and lots of surrender and submission to the Father, like, purify me, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Anything that would separate me from being the fullness of who you've called me to be, I lay that down. Daily, daily laying my life down, daily. Did that mean I was perfect? No, it just meant that my pursuit for him, my pursuit for purpose was intentional. And I'm going to keep doing this until I get it right. <laughs> However long it takes. Exactly. That's what, see, yeah. that you, you, that, that is very important when it comes to process. You yes. have to, tr- and you have to be uh, patient. Pa- patience really is a virtue. It because <laughs> during, the, during the patience, during the waiting, you're working. Some things mm-hmm. are being done. That's right. Healing is taking place. Growth mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What, what, what was your breaking point? Because it's like, you know, you do you get tired? Do you get sick and tired of being tired? Oh, you I'm know, sick get, and tired. You know, it's like, <laughs> what is a breaking point? Because we're, 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 we're uh, talking to real life people, people that are really mm-hmm. going through right now. Mm-hmm. And they're at that place, you know, and I believe that at this point, if they've been listening, they're getting clarity. They're getting clarity mm-hmm. on some things uh, by listening to you, by hearing your story. They're understanding, you know, some things that they might need to redo. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like back it up, you know, uh, because this is necessary. All that you, mm-hmm. this process, mm-hmm. it don't feel good at all, yes. you know, but, but, but it's got to happen. Yes. It's got to happen. The process is so necessary. It's so important. I think about, when I think about my process, um, when I left the marriage, uh, of course, now I'm single parenting, which was hard, right? And I'm in hustle mentality and I'm running. So I never really took the time to heal during that, the first initial, I think it was maybe three or four years um, after the divorce that I was just running running, going, trying to make it happen, trying to do this, trying to do, I'm just not stopping, just, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I got entrepreneur, that was when I became an entrepreneur, so I'm a young entrepreneur, I'm making mistake after mistake, misstep after misstep, and I'm like, okay, but nah, I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep, and it was almost as if God himself said, enough, sat down somewhere, and he sent me back home, (laughs) so I had to go back to St. Louis, right? And that was the breaking point when I had gotten to the place of total, he had to humble me. You keep running, thinking that you in control of your life, making one mistake after the other, and you can't even see it. 
So let me sit you down somewhere so you can begin to see you. Because what happens if we don't surrender to that process, we're pointing our finger at everybody else, everybody else. It's their fault. It's their fault. They did this, that, 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 that. And God is like, no, I want to get your attention. I want to deal with you. I want to deal with you. And so after I moved back home, single mama, two babies, right? Back at my grandmama house. Talk about humbling. The Lord was like, it's time to deal with you. And so that was the breaking point for me. That's when I said, okay, I surrender. Yes, Lord, have mercy. A lot happens when you surrender. A lot happens when you stop running. It's mm -hmm. like when you surrender, you have to be still. Mm -hmm. For some people, he'll put you on your back in a hospital somewhere. That's you hear right. what I'm saying? For some, he'll put you in prison somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like wherever that humble place is, yep. you don't get to choose. Because he, God, know. He, does, he does what's best for us. That's right. My God, my God, my God. So what was your place from there? Because I know you were angry. I know mm -hmm. that you were mad because, see, for one thing, you probably tried your best not to allow some things to come back up that you felt like was over and done with. You don't want to mm -hmm. think about it no more. You don't want to mm -hmm. talk about it no more. You know, we call those suppressed emotions. Mm -hmm. you know, Lots of those. To, that's in the past. Come on now. That's in the past. Why you keep bringing up the past? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. We got we to gotta deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so there were a lot of suppressed emotions because remember I mentioned there was this seasonal depression every year around a certain time of year, I would go into this place of despair, right? It was, and those were the, those were the warning signs. So I like to always ask people, what are your warning signs? What are your triggers? How do you know that you still have unresolved trauma, right? Ask yourself those questions. And so a lot of stuff kept coming up, whether I wanted it to or not. <laughs> At the most unopportune time, it would just come up. It's like, what in the world is going on with me? Well, so, the, so the anger, you know, the self-sabotage, you know, the rejection, the isolation, like all of that, it was just, it was constantly reoccurring. It was a cycle that needed to be broken. But the cycle of depression and addiction and despair and all that stuff that I was dealing with couldn't be broken until I dealt with the root cause of the trauma. And the root cause of the trauma went all the way back to the childhood trauma I experienced even before my stepfather's attack, back to my mother's abuse, back to being separated from my sister, right? All of that stuff affects us psychologically right? Everything from our childhood affects us psychologically, psychologically in our adulthood if we don't deal with it. Got to deal with it. So as a part of your healing, did you find it to be necessary to investigate your mom's pain as being the root Absolutely. Uh, for why she attacked you and, you know, put you through some things? Because it wouldn't seem to make much sense for you to get surface healing. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because you always got to get that root thing, you know? That's right. Yep, absolutely. So the root of the biggest root for my mother's was rejection. Remember, I mentioned she was 17 when she had me. So there was a lot of shame, a lot of rejection associated around that whole scenario. So I was able to trace it all the way back to me, to being in her womb. And the root was rejection. Right. And that root of rejection comes with a whole lot of other stuff. It also comes with this, that orphan spirit, spirit of abandonment, not feeling good enough, that spirit of loneliness. All of that stuff was all wrapped in that root of rejection. And so once I was able to trace that back, I began to walk out that process of healing again, self-study, therapy, friends, family, talking it through. And it's always an ongoing process. I have a, a really good friend of mine, sister, a spiritual sister of mine that's also a therapist. And she was like, do you really ever, you know, overcome trauma? I was like, well, I want to believe that I am going to overcome trauma, right? You know, although there's always going to be that, that those triggers. But what you learn how to deal with when you do the therapy and you do the work is when those triggers come up, you know how to self-correct right? You do the self-correction. So there's always those triggers 
from the result of the trauma. However, how you respond to them, you don't have to be an unhealthy person. You can still be whole. And so that was my goal to become whole. And so the whole cycle breaker movement came from the divorce, came from what I experienced in my childhood. I was like, my children are not going to experience this. They're not going to go through it. So I literally began to do a lot of research around domestic violence. And I became a domestic violence advocate. I began to get the trainings and start to understand why people choose this and the reoccurring trauma and understanding statistics. And, you know, what does it really take? to become a cycle breaker, one, making the choice, but really understanding the cycles of abuse, right? Understanding choice, understanding the root cause of things and how being unhealthy and being unwhole continues to attract what you don't want. Although you say you don't want it, psychologically, you're still attracting that to you. And so doing that self-healing, that self-work, doing the counseling, doing the coaching and the training and learning and understanding and becoming an advocate for other women, I literally was healed as I went. I was able to walk out of a lot of stuff as I served other women. It actually became a movement. My organization is called the For Our Daughters Foundation. And so the very first thing that I did was host a benefit concert in honor of my mother. That was my way in saying, okay, I forgive you, mom, right? So now I'm honoring my mother. I'm no longer looking at her like she victimized me too, but now I'm honoring her because I realized she had been through some stuff in her childhood. Right. So I was able to forgive her, create a, a, a benefit concert to honor her. Right. But then also to advocate for other women and to begin this cycle breaking movement around domestic violence. Well, you know, um, I congratulate you and I pay homage to, you know, uh, them that did not survive. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is. It's truly a movement because we cannot forget them. That's right. They must live as survivors and heroic beings through those of us that did survive. That's right. What is so important when it comes to us moving in forgiveness, this is a verb. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a verb just like love. You can't just continue to say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. That thing is movement in forgiveness. It's movement in love. And I can appreciate what you are doing because by people seeing you, seeing the action of what you're doing, that is going to like draw people to what you're doing. It's, it's a love. It, love and forgiveness works work together. They, they work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, words are, uh, you know, cheap. You know, you got to practice, you know, uh, uh, what, you're, what you're preaching. That's and right. you know, we as human nature, you can't fool us. I don't That's care right. how ignorant some may act. You know what I'm saying? It's like That's we right. all have that discernment. God gave us all that thing. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's he gave right. all of all of us that. And if we're still long enough, then we recognize if something is real or not, true or That's false, right. right or wrong. That's right. Mm-hmm. So this this is wonderful. And of course, I want guys, y'all pay attention to that t-shirt. I want you later to be reminded to let them know how they can get that shirt so that they can support you know the movement uh because that's 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 a word (laughs) that's a word a whole word (laughs) a whole word so um man our time is getting away from us it's okay we there we almost there we there we at the end come on glory let's keep moving (laughs) uh and celebrating your growth um from the, the, the point of you going home to your grandmother. And then of course mm-hmm. you made it out. I did. Yep. Okay. It was, yeah, it was during that time. So now I'm, I'm back home at my grandmother's house. And of course, you know, me being who I was at that age, you know, I was a go-getter, you know, I was entrepreneur. I had started three businesses. <laughs> I'm starting the for our daughters movement and I'm just, doing my thing, you know, going about life, doing what I knew to do, right? And that was when I got tugged. <laughs> Lord was like, I have need of you. I'm like, what? I am doing this for you. What you talking about, right? <laughs> and so it was during that season of life that I encountered Agape Time Ministries International. Uh, my spiritual parents, apostles, John and Pamela Dillon in St. Louis, Missouri, um, were introduced to me and invited me out to 
I think it was an intimate evening with the father. I think that was the first event I was invited to um, as the guest psalmist. Um, so, of course, you know, I was still cultivating my gift of music through song. Um, and so from there, it was like, you know what? There's something on this young lady. She needs to be covered. She needs a spiritual mom. She needs a spiritual father. And so they took me in under their wing and my two little girls. Um, and that's when ministry was really, truly birthed on the inside of me. I remember devouring the book of Matthew <laughs> during that season of life. I lived with them for an entire year. And so while I was with them, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm understanding my giftings, I'm understanding the calling, I'm understanding about consecration, I'm understanding, you know, how to live holy, like all these things I wasn't doing before. <laughs> I was just doing me, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing, you know, I'm I'm a cycle breaker, right? I got a nonprofit, I got some businesses and I'm making power moves in the, in the loo. But the Lord was like, yeah, but that ain't what I got for you. <laughs> That's good, but yeah, I got something better. And so that was another begin again moment for me because it was like everything you thought you were doing, that was my will. All right, I'll let you have that. But let me sit you down again and show you exactly who you are. And so it was during that season of life that I learned about my identity. That was the identity season who you are in Christ. And because of who you are, this is how you have to live. <laughs> I was like, what, 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 what? I got to do what? <laughs> so I began to get the godly spiritual parent correction, right? Um, in, in parenting, in business, in every aspect of my life. And then guess what? I went back to Georgia, right? And I think, and the Holy Spirit revealed this to me even this week. Um, and I have to repent to my parents when I see them because I really believe I was supposed to be still, still, but because I was a runner, <laughs> yeah. I started running again. Mm -hmm. I started running from the call. I was like, I don't want this life, this holiness and this, you know, I'm sick of the church, right? Because remember at 15, I was evangelizing. So I was over it. I was yeah. over it. Yeah. I just want to make some coin. I just want to, you know, build a legacy for my children. I ain't trying to do this church thing. I'm good. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I started running again, ended up back in Georgia, made more mistakes, more missteps, and got my butt sent right back. What do so now a female Jonah? <laughs> Like this child of mine, like it, oh Lord, today. <laughs> Listen. So, so I went to Georgia, made some, a lot more mistakes, but the Lord was like, all right, she gonna learn. She gonna get there eventually. Sent me back. And during this season of life, it was another breaking. It was another begin again. <laughs> that was the time that I released the Endurance Ride of Life Volume 1. So I had gone through a really, really rough uh, season in Georgia. I was working in full-time ministry too. I was working at a well-known church here in Georgia, mega church in Georgia. I was, you know, a worship and arts administrator. I was over, you know, youth worship and arts. I was doing church, but yeah, the Lord was like, yeah, no, <laughs> I want you to do kingdom. So that was when I began to, it's a difference. The shift, it's a difference. The shift and the understanding of the difference between church and religion and kingdom. And so when I went back home this in this season, again, I released the book. This That was uh, the first edition. So this is the second edition that you were reading. That was the first edition. That's when I really began to understand the brevity of the call. Like you can run all you want. You can resist all you want. But when God has a plan and a call on your life, you're going to come running. You're going you're gonna to come crawling or you're going to come willing. At some point, you have to stop. And so that was, again, another season where God is like, please just be still. And then from that submission and surrender, yes, Lord, to your will, although I did not want to come back home a second time, but I said, yes, Lord, I'll do what you asked me to do, even though I don't understand and I don't want to. My obedience in that season produced so much fruit in my life. Mm 
during that season of my life, God blessed me with an amazing condo. It was awesome. It was beautiful, right? He blessed me with an amazing building called the Creative Arts Building in St. Louis. It was right in the heart of Grand Center, um, which is the arts district. I was able to just be a blessing to so many youth and so many children and so many other business owners during that season of my life. It was awesome. And I also met Maurice. <laughs> so I met Maurice during this season. So although I didn't want it and I resisted and I was like, no, fight, kicking and screaming. I still did it. And God says, because of your obedience, the reward is coming. And so that season was nothing but just beautiful rewards, beautiful rewards, beautiful rewards. And after Maurice and I were married in 2015, uh, my grandmother passed away um, in November of that same year. And so that familiar feeling of grief and triggers and trauma started coming up again. I'm like, Lord, today I am over it, right? <laughs> you know you ain't completely healed when you still get them things. You still in that process. I know my you still in it. That's right. I was still going through the process. And so he he, he was so kind. He was like, babe, what do you want to do? I'm going to go back to Georgia. <laughs> like you in Georgia because my assignment is in Georgia and I'm clear about that but what I, what I wasn't clear about was the timing so sometimes because we're prophetic people God will reveal stuff to us we'll see things we'll hear things we'll have a knowing about things but sometimes we're not sensitive enough to his timing of things it's still a waiting so, and we get ahead it's of like him baby. absolutely we get ahead of him and so he graciously lived in St. Louis his entire life, had built a very lucrative catering business in St. Louis, started all over again, just because I wanted to be here. And so we're here now, you know, we were ordained as pastors in 2020, right before the pandemic. <laughs> I was like, Lord, you got jokes. You got jokes, right? Like, finally, like, finally, like, I'm in the <laughs> And now we got a pandemic. <laughs> So let's begin again. <laughs> His timing is everything. You know, I mean, it's like, listen, oh. let me remind you who I am. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me get you straight. <laughs> I'm still God. <laughs> I'm still God. Even through doing a doggone uh, pandemic. <laughs> I'm now, still God. The transparency of this book, I want to touch on my questions Okay. I want us to talk about this 20-year anniversary of your mom. Mm -hmm. That really spoke to me because when you look at 20 years back of all your accomplishments, mm -hmm. when you look at all that you have done, you know, it's like the shine, everything. And you probably feeling like, you know, you're in a good place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That 20 year anniversary come, 20 years since your mom's been gone, mm -hmm. 20 years, you know, started your organization, your businesses are a success. There are so many women that's been healed and set free from your organization that you, you know, uh, pay homage uh, to on behalf of your mother, mm -hmm. but yet and still, you see the fruits of your labor, you see, you know, the blessings in your life, the amazing people that God had brought into your life, but still. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us about that 20 year, uh, that 20 anniversary of being stuck. Yeah, so that 20 year anniversary came around and again, we talk about the unresolved trauma. <laughs> we talk about the triggers. We talk about that pain. It came back up again. Um, and, and during that season, I believe that was the time where God is like, all right, we're ready to really deal with another level. So one thing I've learned over the course of this, now it's been, I think, 27 years now, I think, to, to this day, um, is that healing is layered. Yes, it's it layered, is. Right? And so we think we're ready. We're seeing, again, the fruits of labor. We're like, okay, I'm here. I'm right where I need to be. I'm right in purpose, which was true. But I still had to deal with this inward stuff, mm. right? Because it would always come up. Right. It would always come up. And I thank God that now, today, 
you know, I still, you know, I'm sad when her, when the anniversary comes around December 6th, you know, I still have that like, man, I miss her. Um, I miss my grandmother who passed away around Thanksgiving. So I still have a little bit of the sadness, but it's like joy comes in the morning. I don't sit in it. Right. I don't sit in that place of sadness. It's like, I, I feel that pain. I feel that, that loss. I feel that grief for that moment, but then joy comes in the morning. And so there's always that seat, that anniversary that comes around. It's okay to feel that. Yeah. One of the things I did for a long time though, which is why I think it took so long is I kept numbing the pain. Remember oh. I talked about the addiction. Yes. So a lot of times the reason why I didn't get the full measure of healing is because I always, when I would feel it, I would numb it because I didn't yeah. want to feel it. Gotcha. So that was a part of the reason why I think it took so long. And that was one of the reasons why it was so important for me to get to the place of freedom, because if you keep numbing the pain with addiction or with whatever you're numbing your uh, pain with, whatever that is for you, you'll never begin to receive the fullness of healing. Hmm. And I believe that was that was a big part of it. As a matter of fact, I know that was a big part of it because Holy Spirit revealed that to me this week. Okay, so now my, my final question. Now, I love the significance of chapter eight because, see, chapter eight is that place where you recognize that there are some unfinished things mm. and you, you got a plan in action, you know, mm. to, to be sure that you freed yourself from this stuff. Mm. And I love it. It has everything to do with fasting and prayer, and I love it. But before we go there for you to explain how you you pulled that off the significance did you realize that chapter eight was new beginnings i didn't i did i had to go and look look i'm like what's chapter eight <laughs> Listen, what's chapter no, eight talking no, about wait a minute i need to go back to read my own book said, look, you gotta ask her if she knows that I number no eight idea. represents new beginnings and uh, that place that's that for sure spot that you come up with the fast and the prayer strategy to where it shut everything down. Shut it that down. Shut it down. Everything. You, better, you better talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that ended everything. So yeah. I said, look, I definitely got to because chapter eight is the journey of the journal. Baby, mm -hmm. let's talk about that because, you know, yeah, that, that, that did it. That did it. Yeah. 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 So chapter eight, I had to pull the book out. I'm like, what is she talking about? Yeah. So that, that the journaling process. Okay. Yeah. We didn't really talk about journaling. So journaling, in addition to music, right. Journaling was also a part of my healing. I have my journals from way back then. That's how powerful journaling is. Um, but your journaling process really helps you process your emotions because sometimes you're not ready to speak it out loud. That's right. right? That's right. But the journaling helps you. It's almost like a silent prayer. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you talking to God. This is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. And just getting it out and getting it on paper. So that was the beginning of, you know, that wasn't the beginning of it, but I had been journaling since 15. I started mm -hmm. that process. I think one of my mentors at that time, my teenage years kind of encouraged me to journal. If I wasn't ready to talk, then I needed to journal. And I, it just stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it just stuck with me. The other part of that that you alluded to, again, I kind of talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, which I talked about in the very beginning that you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, but also the power of fasting and prayer, because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was sick of these doggone cycles. You know, my boy, Jonathan, wrote this song, Cycles. We got to break these cycles, but you can't do it with willpower. <laughs> you can't. You can't do it with willpower. Cycles have to be broken through fasting and prayer. Speak, and, account and accountability. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, again, like she said, chapter eight was new beginnings. Hadn't even thought about that. Didn't even connect the dots. <laughs> that, that was not intentional. That was not intentional. However, that was the catalyst that really began to chisel away so that I can get in position to receive what God had for me. But the very thing that if you'd have done this in the beginning, because the word of God don't lie. It, it don't. Okay. <laughs> I had the word, it. but I didn't have the fasting, see. Ah. And I learned about fasting when I, again, when I encountered Agape Time Ministries International. Remember, I was telling you yeah. that that's what I was being cultivated for ministry. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to live holy. I don't want to be a priest. <laughs> I don't want to be a priest. <laughs> I want to make some money. 
money. <laughs> and the Lord like, all right, go ahead on with your best. <laughs> but you're going to come back to this point and you're going to write this book. <laughs> so we, we, what we do because of the lack of disobedience, we delay healing. Absolutely. We delay deliverance. We delay blessings on top of blessings. Because God don't right. bless no mess. No, he don't. Lord, how <laughs> oh, yeah, so I was good. just looking at that. I forgot about all these journal entries. I actually, yeah, y'all got to get the book <laughs> because in in the in the book, chapter eight, I talk about the different types of fast. I talk, and I also share with you some of my um, uh, journal reflections. I actually, the Lord called me on a forty day fast. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing it back. I forgot the forty day fast was the catalyst to get me back to come to St. Louis. Mm, 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 mm. had I not fasted and prayed I wouldn't have heard God and my heart wouldn't have been prepared to obey remember I said I did not want to go back mm, mm, but the mm. Lord was like look I have need of you so we need to get you together <laughs> well see fasting shuts that flesh up it's like shut, shut up, up. Hey, you know so let me just tell everybody that's listening guys you need to get this book because once you read the book you're going to be reminded of some places in your own life on, you yes. know, on, uh, uh, on the things that things you haven't dealt with, you know, yes. things you have hidden and patched and suppressed away. Yes. And you're going to be ready to dash into one of these fasts when you're done with the book, because you're going to understand that that right there is going to settle the issue that Definitely. right there gets you some freedom where you can begin again, you know, without keep going through the same cycle for mm -hmm. the uh, cycle breaker. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm, the on the I'm, on the I'm on the team of the, of the, of the cycle breaker today. <laughs> Listen, yeah. oh my God. I used to, you know, it was all Holy Spirit because I was, at first I had something totally different picked out to wear and Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to wear that shirt. I said, okay. Well, thank you for <laughs> being my on my wardrobe then. Girl, listen, when people don't, they don't, when they don't listen to God, it makes my job harder. <laughs> to take this time to share with the listeners. I know that they're doing like, whee child. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, honey, sipping on a, a coffee, hopefully without sugar, because you need some strong resistance. <laughs> um, share with the people how they can get access to all your books, because you are a renowned author. Uh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Share with them how they can get both books and your music. Your music Absolutely. is fine. Uh -huh. oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you can visit Chai, that's C-H-I, no A. Middle initial is T, like the T. And Matthias, that's spelled M-A-T-H-I-A-S dot com. That's Chai T Matthias dot com. You can get connected with me um, on so many levels just from that website alone. Um, I'm also on Facebook um, at Chai Like the Tea, um, or you can just do a quick search, chaitmathias.com on Facebook, and you'll find my page there. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Chai Like the Tea. Um, so I look forward to just connecting with you all. I look forward to serving you, answering any questions you have, signing your books, autographing those for you, um, sending you shirts, um, whatever you need, I'm here. I just want you to know that you're not by yourself, you're not alone. And the biggest thing that I've, the biggest value that I found in this journey is the power of accountability. Because a lot of these years, I tried to do it by myself, y'all, because of the isolation, because of the spirit of rejection, because of the feeling inadequate, the feeling, not feeling good enough, right? So I would try to get through life alone and you cannot get through life alone. You gotta have somebody, particularly somebody that been there Right. That's really walked in your shoes before and can really minister life 
and health and healing to you. And so whatever I can do to support you on this journey of healing, I'm here for it. So they've got an extended invitation to the coffee Absolutely. shop. They oh, yeah. with you. Tell them about it. <laughs> yes, Unity Grounds. Now, if you're in Georgia, uh, Cartersville, Georgia, specifically, um, we have an amazing coffee house called Unity Grounds coffee cafe that's unitygrounds.com of course we're on facebook and instagram as well um if you'd like to sit down and have a cup of tea with me you know and you're in the area definitely reach out to me on my website and let's connect um unity grounds is all about unity literally um we can't heal as a community without unity and so god blessed us to be able to support unity worship church to help launch unity grounds as a place of healing and refuge um, for the community we're looking forward to seeing what god is going to do at unity grounds we've only been open since september uh, but again in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> but god is faithful god is faithful so stay tuned for the amazing things that we have coming this year at unity grounds unitygrounds.com so how, do, how can they purchase your music? Because what I did was I went on, um, I think it was, um, uh, might have been Spotify. I listened okay. to all of your tracks. I listened oh. to all, all amazing, absolutely oh. tranquil. You know, it's a good tea sipping type of music. You know, it's just, oh. it's not too much. It just takes you to a presence. So where can it. you go to listen to your music and to purchase your music? Absolutely. So the same thing, if you go to chaitimathias.com, there's a tab that says vocalist. Okay. You click that tab, that'll take you to all the places where you can go to download. My latest single um, is Forgiveness. You can find that, of course, on all digital media platforms. So iTunes, uh, Google Play, wherever you download your music, you can find it there. Of course, it's even on YouTube. Um, if you want to just kind of take a listen and just see if you like it, um, be praying with me, y'all. I'm going back in the studio this year. And so I've got some music that I've been holding on to, literally a library of music that I've been just kind of writing and collecting for maybe over five years. Um, and I'm ready to start releasing those one at a time. And so stay tuned this year. New single will be released um, probably once every quarter um, until I get to that point where I'm ready to release an album. But yes please, please support my music. I really appreciate it. That's my first love. And sometimes we get away from our first love because life, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the Lord has been tugging on me. He's like, yeah, I need, mm -hmm. you, to, I need you to find your song again. That's simply mm -hmm. what Holy Spirit said, find your song again. And I found it. So I'm ready to record. <laughs> you got a jazzy thing going on. So mm -hmm. can they purchase your t-shirt also on your website? Absolutely. Everything is on the website. Anything that you need is right there. If you can't find it, send me a message. I got you. Okay. Well, our quote today is if you focus on your problem or your frustrations, your attitude is going to be negative and defeated. That is our Monday motivation quote. I want you all to think about that today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Relationship Lounge Reveal and Heal. Y'all, listen, put your hands together, scream, holler, kick, do all of that, and thank this beautiful soldier for <laughs> being in the building today, showing up, and just being so transparent. It's like you sit on the mountaintop and say, y'all gonna heal today? <laughs> y'all gonna heal today. <laughs> yes, that was your you attitude. <laughs> oh my thank you God. so much for having me and just sharing your platform with me. I really appreciate you. Um, I appreciate our friendship. I just appreciate the candid conversations we have offline. They're awesome. <laughs> so you are my you. sister thank for so life. Much. Give me so much life, honey, just like your book. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna, you know, catch up again because I, I need for you to come back. It's so okay. much going on with you. So I won't you're gonna have fans, honey. So we need to let we need to keep them up to speed on what's going okay. on with you. Yes, oh, ma'am. Okay. Yes. <laughs> So um, a Facebook, all of social media family, listen, follow Reveal and Heal on all social media. And remember, you can't heal unless you reveal. Remember to love yourself first. Love everybody and be an example. I'm Coach Deb. Have an amazing day. You deserve it. Thank you, darling. You have a good day. <laughs>